The Essence of Tea, Episode 33. Welcome. You are listening to the Essence of Tea podcast, where we share about the world of tea with you. From tea tastings to tea history and culture to tea education, health, and wellness, the Essence of Tea is your tea companion through your personal transformation and growth. I'm your host, Jenny Jie. Now let's get started. Hey everyone, Jenny here with the Essence of Tea podcast, and I have a special guest with me here today, and this is Angela McDonald with the U.S. League of Tea Growers. Hey, Angela. Hi, thanks for having me today. Yes, I'm so, so excited to have discovered your organization because I have been growing tea plants for about a year at home here in Alaska in pots, of course. Mm -hmm. I did have them outside last summer and they did pretty good because it was warm enough. But obviously, once it started getting cold, there was no way they're going to survive at 30 below that, you know, happens in Alaska. But we have tea listeners from around the world and across the United States who are just starting to realize that they can also grow their own tea plants. Mm -hmm. So thank you. And thank you so much for your organization. Um, Would you like to share your story about how you got into tea? Sure. So I have been um, working in the tea industry for about 10 years now. It um, was kind of a long, complicated story, but um, essentially I um, I lived in India and Tibet for about three years. And when I returned home, I was trying to um, kind of find a way to blend the, you know, uh, family that I had in, in Asia with um, the, you know, life, of course, in the U.S. and wanted to be able to um, have something that gave me the flexibility to travel. And um, I had always loved tea. And a um, peculiar um, opportunity came up um, through somebody that I met to purchase a small tea company. And so thus I did that. And um, I have always been a very avid gardener. I love growing everything. But tea was something that I didn't realize could grow here until I um, found a tea farm up um, just about an hour north of me in Salem, Oregon, called Minto Island Farms. And I was so excited to hear about tea growing here. So I got more and more interested in it. And then I found the U.S. League of Tea Growers, which um, had been started by um, Jason McDonald and Nigel Mellican many years before and had kind of gone through a lull where um, there wasn't much activity on it. But when it got going again, I was so excited about uh, the idea of growing tea and encouraging um, an industry of domestically grown tea that I became really involved in the group and am currently their president, um, have been for about a year and a half. And so uh, we've been working a lot on both, um, you know, working with growers of all sizes, you know, from just people who think it's, you know, just want to have a tea plant in their house in a pot, all the way (laughs) up to, you know, people who are putting in acres and acres on a commercial farm. And uh, we work with research institutes and um, researchers on, uh, you know, resources for growers to be able to help um, grow the industry of domestically grown tea. But a lot of what we do, and one of my favorite parts of it, is just purely education, getting people to know that tea does grow here, and that it can grow in a really wide variety of climates. So that's, you know, 
that's kind of where I um, have come at it from both the side of um, a tea grower, a tea enthusiast, as well as, you know, a business owner. Um, and I think there is a lot of potential in the industry and it's really, really exciting to see it grow. And it's exciting to get to come here and talk to people about it and share our information. Do you know the history of tea growing in the U.S.? Do you know any backstories? I know there's some places that have been growing tea longer than others, but if, if you know anything about the history, do you mind sharing with me? Absolutely. So um, don't quote me on dates because I'm terrible <laughs> with the exact dates, but um, there have been several tea growing experiments that have happened um, over the course of the past about 150 or so years. Um, earlier in the 1800s, there were some experiments um, to grow tea. Often tea kind of arrived, um, you know, the finished tea arrived on boats um, from England or sometimes directly from India or China. Um, and people, uh, well, at that time wouldn't have been India, would have been China. Um, people uh, sometimes would bring tea seeds or small plants, you know, essentially to trade. Um, and so the first plants probably arrived that way that we don't have a lot of information about um, what the, you know, um, what, what happened with those plants and where they are now. But um, in the, uh, a little bit later um, after the 1850s, um, Robert Fortune, who many people know of as taking the tea plant from China into India, he was also hired by the US government to grow tea here in the state or to bring plants to grow here in the States. Um, he did so, and unfortunately, the U.S. government never paid him for his work, so he did oh. not continue <laughs> on and stay here for very long to um, help the industry grow. And at that point, then the Civil War broke out and, um, um, or sorry, um, well, yeah, the, a war broke out. And um, so that just kind of got set aside and wasn't dealt with. Um, and the plants kind of disappeared into, you know, the wilderness. Um, around the turn of the century, there was another man who decided to start growing tea. Um, and uh, he actually created a pretty good size farm with of tea plants. He processed it. He won an award of the World's Fair, um, but it was more of a passion for him and it kind of died with him. When he passed away, nobody really took up the tea. Um, going forward again um, in the uh, uh, 1950s and 60s, there were some um, there was some talk about growing tea in the U.S. and um, they wanted to see how viable it would be, um, partially because of problems with you know political problems and problems with import and the potential of our supply for tea being cut off from other places in Asia, and. Um, so uh, Lipton and um, some other groups did some experiments in a few places around the country to um, see how viable it was to grow tea in the U.S. And, you know, it grew fine. They had no trouble growing the plants. What happened was that they decided that um, 
it was a little too costly to produce it here, especially when they already had such a large, steady supply of very cheap tea coming in from India and from China. And that's been kind of the general thought um, about the tea industry in the US ever since, is that, yeah, maybe you can grow it here, but it's gonna be way too expensive because land and labor in the US are so, you know, costs are so high that you'll never create an industry. But that's really changing. This year, 2020, also has been a fantastic example of that. Tea prices from, you know, places such as India and China are soaring because of you know problems shortages due to covid also due to climate change and then uh, shipping costs raised dramatically they tripled often coming from china um, and there was a shipping container shortage so shipments were delayed and there were all sorts of problems with getting tea and herbs imported this year and so more and more people are looking at the fact that it may actually really be important for us to be able to grow and produce our own tea. And also, you know, uh, specialty tea, um, which of course is such a terroir specific product um, is, well, you know, it's, it's dependent on the region that it's grown in. And so if you're creating a product that um, is grown here in the US and has its own distinct flavor profile, there's an opportunity there to be able to produce teas that nobody else in the world can produce. And so it's very appealing. And the um, numbers are showing that you can sell teas, you know, for 80 to a hundred dollars a pound. Um, oh, we just easily. We just bought tea that was $2,000 a pound. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. it's, it's from Hawaii. And we were on the waiting list since January. And so for the members of our university program, um, I, I, I put in enough just for the members so they could have a taste of it, but it's not that people are being taken advantage of, no. you know, like they're, they're, adding in the cost of the labor and the land and all those things in there. But even though it's a crazy price, you can also produce some of these amazing award-winning teas in the United States too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and machinery is a big part of that. Um, As we've said, labor is very expensive here. And so um, in order to cut down on the amount of labor hours, things like mechanical harvesters and um, machinery um, used in processing is really important. And it's very accessible now. It used to be that we would think about, you know, machine harvested teas as being the very low quality commodity teas. But, you know, what we're seeing now is that there are, are the technology in harvesters has really advanced and they are, they are having a lot of luck with um, small harvesters that really replicate hand, hand plucking. And, um, they people are producing wonderful teas from them and i think even in countries like japan taiwan they're already using these and um selling them as artisan teas which 
they are. They're wonderful teas, but I think a lot of people don't realize that there was a lot of machinery in the process um, that went along with it, because most people think of high quality teas as being entirely handmade. Um, so this machinery is will cut down significantly on the costs, because as we all know, harvesting tea takes for a really <laughs> long time. <laughs> okay, so, so just for an example, my tea leaves were falling off of my tea plant here all winter. Uh-huh. And they were, they were stored in the bathroom because that's the most humid place I have sure. in my house. Sure. And so this is a collection of pretty much everything that fell off. At first, it looked like a big space on my counter of all these tea leaves. Probably doesn't taste that good, but I saved them for this occasion. So I actually steeped this probably stale white tea, not rolled at all processed big leaves, you know, and, and that's what I'm drinking right now is my own white tea that I grew. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> proud of it. No pesticides has been grown in my house. And, and literally, it was a pile on my bathroom counter. And by the time I put it in my cup, I'm like, what is this? Maybe five grams? Like, <laughs> what is that? Like, that's not that much. And so imagine all day long picking these tea baskets. You see the romance of the tea yeah. hills, right? The people, sure. like when I've been to India and China and they're harvesting tea leaves, I've picked tea leaves there too. I am not fast and I bruise the tea leaves. So, but it's it's crazy how they can get a whole basket in a day, but it took a whole day and hours of practicing, so. Yes, yes, yeah. it's a very skilled labor. And mm-hmm. since you're only harvesting off those brand new leaves, those are tiny. It's not the oh, yeah. large leaves <laughs> off the bottom. <laughs> so yeah, it's just, it's so labor intensive. But like I say, the machinery is really advancing along. And so they're, you know, the Great Mississippi Tea Company is using a harvester now. Um, they're prototyping it um, that really replicates the hand plucking. And their teas are award-winning teas. They've, they've won several awards and all sorts of different competitions. And I've had them since they moved to um, the machine plucked teas, and they are just as good. They are really doing a good job with it. And it cut down their labor costs so significantly that, you know, they're selling their teas and selling out of their teas every year um, and making a profit off of it. So they're a great model um, of how successful growing tea in the U.S. can be. So, um, Angela, do you also grow some of your own tea plants, too? I do. Yes. And do you do it to sell or do you do it more for a hobby? Um, a little bit of both. So um, I don't have a suitable piece of land for putting fields of tea plants in. Um, and land here is very expensive. So what I do is I um, propagate a lot of tea plants. I um, have planted small plots of them um, in some different areas around the state. I share the plants with people that just kind of experiment with growing them in different places, different conditions to see what happens. And then I do sell some of them. So I, you know, if I have an abundance of them, usually just to individuals, they'll contact me, say, can I 
you know, buy five, can I buy 20, you know, whatever it comes out to be. Oh, so, of the tea plants, not the, like the dry tea leaves. Oh do do yeah. Those? Just the plants. Yeah. I, so oh, okay. my plants are all still small enough that I haven't really processed any significant amount of tea. I've processed little micro batches of it, but um, not a significant amount, not enough to sell. So, yeah. How much, how many like tea plants do you think you would need to like make, you know, like, let's see, like an ounce of tea? Well, so you, in order to pr have enough to process a batch, like it's very difficult to process um, a handful of leaves, at mm -hmm. least in any way other than maybe just drying them to make a white tea. Um if you're wanting to make a black or a green or something, it's, it really takes enough that you can get a good ball of them after they've been um, 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 gone through the kill green or, um, you know, been withered a bit because um, you need to be able to roll them and trying to roll a tiny little handful of leaves is just really difficult to do very effectively. Oh, I'm terrible at it. I tried yeah. it in India. I, I mean, I, they didn't even want to stay, you know, because they're so thick and leather, leathery. I was trying to roll green tea by hand and it just kept springing open. Or then I just played with them too much. It's like kneading your dough too much, like over right. it. And it's mm -hmm. like disintegrates before your eyes. You're like, oh my goodness, I'm terrible at this. I've done both of those things before. Yeah, sometimes they just won't, you know, if you haven't, you know, for example, in a green tea, if you haven't steamed them enough, then they're just these like whole leaves that, you know, break and, you know, just don't roll in a way that you want them to and if they're too soft if you've seen them too much they end up just kind of disintegrating it's like it can be so frustrating yeah um, and, and if I, you don't do your batch right some of like the top and the bottom ones aren't even equal right like, right yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's complicated so really you should have you know maybe a pound of fresh leaf or something like that too or even half pound you could probably do it um to be able to really make a batch. Um, and so, you know, to get that much leaf, it partially it depends on how well you keep them trimmed because of course you're wanting that brand new growth. And so if you let the plants get really long and spindly, you're only gonna get a few sets of tips off of them. Whereas if you let them, you know, form that really dense hedge um, and trim off the top of the plucking table, then you can get a lot more tips out of one plant. But what I usually tell people if they kind of want to just have enough plants to be able to like make a little tea here and there for them and their friends um, to drink, you know, is kind of a fun thing. You probably need 20 or so plants around your house. Um, and That's again, <laughs> it's, it's quite a few. Yeah, it, it's not a super simple thing. And again, to have enough to really do a, a full batch, um, that becomes harder than just kind of having a few leaves. Now you could do like, or people could do like you do where it was, you know, a few leaves that you just let dry and then drink it. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Um, mm -hmm. But like I say, once you want to start rolling them and making black tea or green tea and have any kind of consistency in the flavor, it's best to have a little bit more. Very, yeah. very fascinating. So, so Angela, how can people find out more about you and your company? What are resources out there? Do you have a website? Do you have a group or anything like that? 
Uh, yeah, so there's a few different ways. Um, we're on Facebook. It's US Tea, League of Tea Growers. Um, you can also, you know, find us online. We have a website um, and our membership um, is very affordable. We have different tiers for people who are just kind of interested and just want to learn a little more versus people who, you know, are commercial growers. Um, and we have international memberships as well. And like I said, it's very affordable, easy to, we try to make it easy because we want the group to be in, really inclusive. Um, and then we send out um, periodic newsletters. Um, we post things on um, Facebook and um, on our website. We do regular webinars about once a month on topics related to tea. Um, this upcoming one on Sunday, I believe, is about um food safety um, measures that you need to take if you're going to be selling tea from your farm because um, that can be a very daunting subject for a lot of people it's something that we've had a lot of members have trouble with um, and uh, then we have several coming up soon about processing different types of tea so there's a lot of information um, and it's, we try to make it fairly easily accessible to people. And we also just encourage people to ask questions. You know, I have members write me and say, you know, I, I need help finding, um, you know, sources for tea plants or, um, you know, start thinking about marketing and packaging for their products, or even just, they want to buy a few seeds and grow their first plants. So where do they go? or problems with their plants you know we'll have people send us pictures and say <laughs> i don't know what's going on with this plant all of a sudden the leaves are getting yellow or they're getting spots on them like what like they do all I fell do? off except for like a couple and <laughs> yeah like what's how do i save my tea plants <laughs> exactly so you know we we kind of just want to be a resource for people who are wanting to learn more about it to try growing tea and you know to be able to help them troubleshoot. And there's also another group um, online. It's called Let's Grow Tea. It's not affiliated with the U.S. League of Tea Growers, but it's a really great resource for people who just want to know a little more about growing tea. And it's a Facebook group. It's um, um, monitored also by Jason McDonald, um, who or moderated, I guess, um, who you know is one of the founders of the U.S. League of Tea Growers. And it's a great place to go for just information information about growing tea and advice and help. So there's plenty of ways that you can kind of find us around um, and, you know, be able to access the information that we're providing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I think this will be a very eye-opening episode on the Essence of Tea podcast and will be very helpful, especially as we're going into the warmer season of springtime and growing things outside. And it's kind of just top of mind and, and very perfect for this time of year. So thank you so much, Angela, for being our guest today. And everyone, make sure you head on over and look or just look up online the U.S. League of Tea Growers or um, like she said, those private Facebook groups. I think that's actually how I discovered them was in the private Facebook group of Let's Grow Tea. Mm. And I saw a link to uh, a webinar that they were having and I was like, oh man, I have to check this out. <laughs> so anyways, definitely check them out online. And thank you so much everyone for joining us on this episode of the Essence of Tea podcast.
If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to check us out online on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can watch us film this podcast live, ask your questions, and maybe win some cool prizes. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe to Sipping Streams on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram.